Hey everyone, I'm so glad you're here listening to the Church on the Rock Leadership Podcast. My name is Heath Watts and I have the honor and privilege of serving this church as a lead pastor. Here at Church on the Rock, we are passionate about leadership growth and we are blessed with an amazing team of leaders. Each week our staff comes together and one of those leaders brings an encouraging word on biblical leadership. We believe and pray that this podcast will help you grow in your leadership journey. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast, stay connected, and know when new episodes drop. Thanks for being a part of this. Now let's get started. Awesome. Well, it is uh, good to be here today talking. Uh, I am Jansen Louder, one of the pastors here at Church on the Rock, and I'm excited to get to share today. Um, I'm going to talk about humility for a minute and how, how humility, the need for humility in order to walk with God. I started to title it this. I started to title it um, The Humility Required to Fulfill God's Plan for Our Life um, or to Fulfill God's Calling. But I, I don't know if you're like me, but I think sometimes we use the word calling and plan and we throw that around a lot when really maybe God is um, a lot more excited about the humility required just to walk with him, just, just to fellowship with him. You know, last week's podcast, Pastor Jackie talked about one of the things that set David apart. In fact, in my opinion, maybe the most important thing that set him apart was he just wanted to fellowship with God. I don't think David was all that concerned about what title he carried or what elevation he got to or, or where he was on an org chart or anything. like He wanted to fellowship with God. And because he wanted to fellowship with God, God did all sorts of things with David, right? Yeah. And I think sometimes I get, I, I just get caught up in like, what's my calling? What's my purpose? What do I need to accomplish today? God, what am I doing for you? As opposed to, can I just hang out with you today, God? Can I just fellowship with you? Can I just be with you? And I think God gets really excited when we calm down on the plan sometimes. We calm down on the, um, the calling, and we get really excited about being with him. Amen? So I want to talk for a minute about humility in that. And I found this definition of humility. This is not like Webster's definition, as you're going to be able to tell, but I like this one better. It says this. It says, humility means believing what God says about you over anyone else's opinion, including your own. I want to think about that with you for a minute. Humility means believing what God says about you over what anyone else says about you or yourself. Because here's the thing. Pride, um, or a, or, um, I don't even know the right word, but or kind of beating ourselves up happens whenever we listen to other people's opinion or we listen to our own, right? I'll, I'm just gonna be real transparent for a minute. I don't know how many times I've preached at this church over the last X number of years, but quite a bit. And if I were to be honest, the number of times I come off the stage and I have like this meter inside my head that, that goes either this way or this way, depending on the feedback that I get within the first five to 10 minutes of walking off that stage. It happens way too often in me, just being honest with you. I'll come down and, you know, the first person that comes up and says something about, hey, great sermon, all of a sudden it starts ticking up a little bit and I start feeling okay about what just happened. And then that person that comes up and talks to me but doesn't say anything about the sermon, it just drops right back down. And it's like, 
And, and it's sad. Like, I've, I'm like, God, help me. Like, this is ridiculous that I have this little meter in me that, like, I just, I'm beginning to judge how I just did, not based on, Lord, how did I do, but based on what I am beginning to feel from other people. That makes sense. Or, now that I've preached a few times, I also have this thing inside of me that I think I, that I, think I know what it's supposed to feel like if I do a good job or not. And so I walk off and I'm like, that felt good. Or that didn't feel good. And either way, it's, not, it's honestly not me asking the Lord how it went. It's like this feeling inside of me. It's maybe how many amens I felt like I got or were they really paying attention or looking. Does that make sense? And, man, God's so been working on me on just, like, asking the question, God, what are you saying here? Not what is anybody else saying or even what am I saying, but what are you saying? And I've talked about preaching, but, I mean, let's get honest. Like, it can happen when we get dressed in the morning and look in the mirror, right? And we look in the mirror and we're like, well, I like what I see. Or I don't. And we walk out of that room beating ourselves up, feeling bad about our day already before the day got started, right? Or maybe feeling a little bit too good about our day before the day got started, whatever it is. But we, it's not about, it's just something we saw in ourselves, something we, an opinion we decided to form, right? And, and God wants for us to be able to get our feedback and our, um, our feeling about how we feel about ourselves directly from him. And he wants us to know how he sees us. And I think if we begin to see ourselves the way he sees us, true humility will happen. Because it won't be this false humility that's like, you know, in the background. Kind of, but it also won't be this pride that elevates myself above. It will be an understanding of this is how God sees me. And if this is how God sees me, I don't have to worry about trying to build myself up or elevate myself, or I don't have to worry about trying to hide behind something or false humility feeling. Just be who he calls me to be. Um, I want to talk through a few people in the Bible because I love, one of the things I love to do, like if you ask me to, if you ask me to have the most fun preaching that I'm going to have, it's to grab a story of someone in the Bible and just go through that story and talk through the lessons we can learn about David or Joseph, or you just pick the person. But when we talk about humility, a few people jump at me, at me real quick. One is, one is uh, Jonathan, the story of Jonathan. Jonathan, we know this, but let me just quickly say this. Jonathan was the rightful heir to the throne, right? Jonathan was Saul's son. Jonathan was the one that could have easily put up a fight against David and said, no, that, that throne belongs to me. Like, I was born into that throne, right? Like, I qualify across all fronts to be the next king. And for whatever reason, because of a humility and because of an understanding maybe of who he was and what the role God had called him to do, instead of putting up a fight, which he could have, and he could have split that country in two, because you know there were some people that would have easily understood what he was doing and sided with Jonathan on that. Instead of doing that, he chose not only to, to back off and say, okay, to David taking over, but he chose to love David, not just to be okay with it, but like to support him fully, right? To throw his weight behind that man as the king. Does that make sense? What a humble move there. Barnabas, Barnabas, um, Barnabas had a lot of equity in the Christian community. And whenever Paul came on the scene, you guys know the story of Paul had a lot of reputation, and it was a bad reputation, right? Paul was not a man you wanted to walk into the room as a Christian beforehand, right? Before he was Paul, when he was Saul, you didn't want Saul walking in the room. And all of a sudden, God does a change in Paul, in Saul, and turns him into Paul. I'm going to get confused here talking. 
but he didn't have any equity with the people. And so he's a different man, but he can't just walk into a room and everybody understands that, right? And all of a sudden there's this man named Barnabas that's, that realizes what God's done in Saul and now Paul's life. And he says, hey, come go with me. We're going to walk into this room. And because Barnabas walks into the room with him, the people begin to accept this guy named Paul. And all of a sudden, they begin to think, well, maybe we should listen to what Paul says because Barnabas is listening. Barnabas is with him. But Barnabas has the humility. If you read throughout Acts, it first starts talking about Barnabas and Paul. Barnabas and Paul, that's the way it describes it for about, I don't remember now, eight or nine chapters. And then somewhere in there, Acts 9, 10, somewhere in there, it flips, and it goes to Paul and Barnabas. And that's a crazy cool thought to me that Barnabas loaned his equity long enough for Paul to get his own, and then Barnabas was willing to kind of step out of the way and let Paul become everything God had called him to be. That's pretty cool. He didn't have to do that, right? He could have said, man, I, I haven't made all the mistakes that you made, Paul. It's always going to be me, and then if you want to be my sidekick, you can be my sidekick, but we're going to... But no, he was willing to get out of the way to let someone become all that God had called him to be. Even Jesus. Philippians 2, uh, man, if you hadn't read Philippians 2 like often, you should. I know we probably all read it at least once or twice, but I, it's such a powerful little short clip of Jesus and how he humbled himself. But in Philippians 2, it says this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though, he was in, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus was God in human form, right? Right? He was God in human form. That's who he was. He, he could have done whatever he wanted to on this earth. He was God in human form, but he chose to humble himself and allow himself not just to become human, but to become um, abused in every way that a human could be abused. He was, he was mentally beat up. He was physically beat up. He was emotionally destroyed. He allowed himself to face all the things that he didn't have to face if he didn't want to. Allowed himself to face them because out of humility, understanding that his father was his father. He had a perspective of how does, how does, how does God see me? <laughs> and he allowed himself to know how God saw him, how his father saw him, which was enough that he could walk out whatever he needed to walk out, even to the point of death on a cross. It's crazy, right, to even think about that, the humility that he walked in. And he did it... <laughs> I don't know, I've thought about this a lot lately because I've been saved since I was six years old and I can so quickly take it for granted. Like, yeah, thank you, God, and then move on. But no, like, what he did is the only reason we're standing here today. It's the only reason we're in this room today. It's the only reason we have hope. It's the only reason we're not, we're not terrified of life right now, right? Because of what he did. Because he allowed himself to walk on this earth in a human form, take all the punishment he didn't deserve and go to the cross for, for us, right? But the one I really want to talk about for, for the next five minutes is John the Baptist. Because John the Baptist's story, honestly, for probably the last five, six years has had me enthralled by it. Um, I am amazed at John the Baptist when I think about him. A couple of 
couple of quick things to think about with John the Baptist. One, he was Jesus' cousin, okay? He was, he, was, he was related to the man, okay? He was his cousin. He was older cousin, somewhere around six months older. He was a little bit older than Jesus, right? He, while maybe his concept, the conception of John the Baptist was not quite as miraculous as the conception of Jesus, there was still a lot of miracles that took place in order for John to come to this earth, right? We read the story. It was a miraculous conception, powerful thing. He, I, we don't really read about Jesus or John's childhood that much, but I'm assuming they kind of grew up together. Now, they weren't in the exact same town, but um, I didn't live in the same town as my cousins, but we knew each other. We grew up somewhat together, right? Like I'm assuming that John and Jesus did too. John started his ministry first, right? He, he, got, he got the ball rolling with ministry. He, he began doing his ministry before Jesus did. Um, and he did well at it. He was dynamic. He had followers like crazy. He had people that loved him. Um, he, was, he was successful, if we could word it that way, right? And within, within, within the ministry. He was changing lives. Um, even to the point that people were asking him, and this is where I think it could get hard as John when I think about this. People began to ask him, you're so dynamic, you're so powerful, you're so changing lives, are you the Christ? Like they began to ask him if he was the Christ. Like read it in Luke chapter three, verse 15. It says, listen, it says this, as the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ. Like not just a couple of people, it says all. All were questioning in their hearts concerning John. Is This guy might be the guy we've been looking for. Like, this guy was dynamic, powerful. I mean, moving in front of people. Is that, right? This wasn't like a, a guy that was, yeah, in the ministry and was, had a little bit of a movement going and had, you know. This was a guy that was changing things. People were noticing him. People were paying attention. Again, in uh, John 1, it says this. It says, and this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from, Jeru from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him again, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. Like, okay, if you're not the Christ, you got to be Elijah. Okay, if you're not Elijah, you got to be the prophet. Not just a prophet, but the prophet. Like, I don't know, we didn't live in that time, but he was making waves, right? He was making waves. He was being noticed, not only by the people going out to see him, but by the, by the Jews that were sending people out saying, find out who this guy is. Is this the guy? Right? This was, this was John. But John knew, I don't know how. I wish we read more, but I wish like we knew when the revelation hit him who he was. I wish we knew how that happened. I don't know. I don't know how it hit him. But John knew who he was because we'll go back for a minute. This is what he says in Luke chapter 3 when it said, as the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Christ, it said, John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But the shaft he will burn with unquenchable fire. When he, when he got asked by the Jews and Levites, he just simply said this. He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. He knew who he was. 
He knew exactly who he was. He said, I don't really care who you think I am. You think I'm the Christ? I'll tell you, I'm, I'll tell you exactly who I am. You think I'm Elijah? I'll tell you exactly who I am. Right? He understood his purpose. Pre- prepare a way for the man that's coming after me. <laughs> prepare a way. Get it. Prepare a way for my younger cousin. This wasn't just prepare a way for the kid I grew up with. Right? Like, think about that for a minute. This wasn't some, and Jesus hadn't done anything dynamic at this stage of the game. Right? He understood anyway. Here's the crazy part, though. I think it only got harder for John. Because then Jesus shows up. I'm just going to finish telling the story. Then, then Jesus shows up, and John says, man, Jesus, I'm not, I should not be baptizing you. And Jesus says, in fact, it said John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so, John, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill the righteousness. And so he consented. He baptized Jesus. We know the story. He baptized Jesus. A dove comes down. The father speaks, says, this is my son with who I am well pleased. But listen to this. In John chapter 1, yeah, in John chapter 1, verse number 35, it says, the next day, after he's baptized Jesus, Okay, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. This is where it gets hard to me. John was standing with two of his disciples, John and his two boys. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by. And I can just imagine this little interaction. He looks at Jesus. He looks at his disciples. He looks back at Jesus. He looks back at his disciples. And he says, hey, behold the Lamb of God. Right there. That's him. And his disciples jumped up and left him and went and followed that man. And John had to have such humility to say, not only am I going to baptize him, I'm going to prepare the way for him. But when it's the right time, I'm getting out of the way. And I'm letting this man take all my followers. I'm gone. And, and, and now that's the Lamb of God. And you go follow him. And listen to this. This is so cool. I didn't catch any of this until actually I was preparing for this message. This, is, this was really cool to me. It says this. One of the two who heard John say that and follow Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He, he first went and grabbed his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon the son of John. You shall be called Cephas or Peter. Listen, had John not stepped out of the way and let Jesus do his thing, we wouldn't have had Peter. We wouldn't have Peter. Because one of those guys was Andrew that said, I'm going to go grab, I'm gonna go grab my brother. Talk about humility. I got a feeling Andrew had some humility too because I can imagine he shows up with his little brother and Jesus gets really focused on Peter, right? And Andrew's like, okay, whatever, you know. Another. But humility. I'm going to close it up because we need to close it up. But I want to challenge this. Are we able to follow Jesus' instructions? Listen, I'm going back to Philippians 2 for a minute. It says this when it starts out in that passage. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Or you could throw another word in there for conceit, vanity or pride. Nothing from selfish ambition. In other words, nothing to elevate ourselves. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. And I just want to challenge us today. Man, I've been so challenged as I've thought through this message. How can I do that? And then, and then listen real quick. I'm going to read another couple of verses because I want you to know this. This isn't about just you and I always taking a step back. We're going to do that. If, but if we will do that, listen to what it says. Therefore, this is, what, this is what God did for Jesus. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Why? Because he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross.
my verse that popped up, I got a little app on my phone that gives me a daily Bible verse. This was my verse this morning. Did y'all read this? Y'all probably have the same. It says this, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Listen, as we humble ourselves, we put our trust in him and say, God, however you want to lift me up, exalt me, whenever, I don't care because I'm not elevating myself. I'm humbling myself before you. I'm trusting you with me. My favorite song the last three years has been a pretty unknown song, I think, called Only Jesus by Casting Crowns. I don't know how many times. I've probably listened to this song 200 times in the last three years. But here's the, and I don't know any musical terms, so I don't know if this is the bridge or the chorus or, I don't know. Here's a part of the song, okay? That goes, that like repeats itself multiple times through that. So whatever that is, okay? Dusty just stepped out at the wrong time right after. But Jesus, it says this, but Jesus is the only name to remember. And I, I don't want to leave a legacy. I don't care if they remember me, only Jesus. And I, I've only got one life to live. I'll live every, I'll let every second point to him, only Jesus. So Lord, I thank you for today. God, I pray that that be our prayer today, that Lord, only Jesus, only you. God, may every effort of our being be to humble ourselves, to prepare a way and then to get out of a way and to make your name famous and to lift up your name in everything we do. Father, I thank you for that today. Thank you for everyone listening today. And I pray that we walk in true humility. We understand how you see us today. We ask you how you see us in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to our leadership podcast. If this podcast inspires you and helps you grow as a leader, help us and others out by liking, sharing, and subscribing to show your support and never miss an episode. Until next time, thank you for letting us be a part of your leadership journey.